people who just received Jesus with an emotional experience cannot last long-term living for Him. The same is true in your faith in the Lord when you're persecuted because of your belief in the Word of God. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Have you ever heard an amazing teaching and then quickly forgot about it? If we don't put into practice Jesus' teachings, when we face trials, it will be easy for us to lose what we've been taught. Today, David shares part one of a message called The Parable of the Soils. Let me begin by saying something that I say all the time. My bet is many of you can complete this phrase. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. The Christian faith is the only world's religion that deals with life from the inside out. All the other world's religions deal with life from the outside in. Rules, regulations, laws especially that we have to obey that then we try to conform our hearts to in obedience. But the Christian faith believes we've been born of the Spirit inside and once Jesus' love enters our hearts, we desire to obey the law of God not because we have to but because we want to. It's a faith that transforms us, again, from the inside out. And perhaps that will help you understand some of these verses. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Everything starts in the heart. So wouldn't it be right that God would want to change the heart to change the world? Secondly, Jesus' message, Mark 1.14 and 15 now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. The gospel is the good news. First of all, the bad news that we're sinners separated from God. Our trajectory is eternal separation from him. The good news is that God came to us in Christ, died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And when we receive it by grace through faith, we are forgiven forever. Jesus proclaimed the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the what? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent. It always accompanies the preaching of the gospel. The best definition of repent I've ever heard is stop it. You change behavior that hurts the heart of God because you've realized how much he loves you and you don't want to hurt the heart of the one who loves you so dearly. So today we're going to look at the first of Jesus' kingdom parables in the Bible. It naturally follows Clayton King's message last week where he said, the entry point into the kingdom is brokenness. I wish there was a different way, but that's God's way. When you realize what a reprobate sinner you are and what a mess you've made of life, that's what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew 5, 2, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's when you're poor in spirit, when you have the paucity of your own ability to do anything rightly, that you come to God, receive his grace and forgiveness, and enter into the kingdom of God. John 3, 3, Jesus said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. That is, when you receive Jesus' life within you, it's his very resurrection life. When Jesus enters your heart, his very resurrection life enters into you. Romans 8, 11, Paul said, the power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you who believe. So what I want to do now in looking at this next parable is identify four different kinds of hearts that are all here today that are all throughout the world. It's called the parable of the sower and the soils. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. 
And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. So here it is, Jesus in a boat, okay? And everybody's listening to him on the shore. It's almost like God made a natural amphitheater for him to speak and use the water to vibrate his voice off to them. And I think he looked off into the distance and saw something very common in that day. And that was a sower casting seeds on soil. And he probably looked up and saw somebody doing that. Again, it was commonplace in that day. So then he tells this parable, something anybody in that day would understand. A sower went out to sow, and he sowed, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then the disciples asked Jesus for an explanation of the parable. Move ahead to verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. Keep that in mind. On account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. Now, now Jesus teaches the parable, and then his disciples come to him and ask, why do you teach in parables? And he answers right after he shares the first parable. Here's his reason for teaching in parables. And by the way, a parable is simply a story that has an earthly subject with an eternal truth. It is a story that has an earthly subject with an eternal truth. So they ask him, why do you teach in these stories? And Jesus answered in verse 10, he said to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, they're interchangeable terms. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Then he quotes from a passage in Isaiah, where Isaiah prophesied that there were people who could see, but they really couldn't see spiritual truths. They could hear, but they couldn't hear spiritual truths. Then Jesus says, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your eyes, for they hear, 
for your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus was basically saying the reason he taught in parables was this. I'm going to make you work a little bit for these spiritual truths. I'm not going to put them on the bottom shelf and spoon feed you spiritual realities for the rest of your life. You've got to have ears to hear. You've got to have eyes to see. You've got to yearn for these spiritual truths. And here's the deal, Jesus said. If you don't use it, you lose it. Once you identify this eternal truth through the story, if you don't apply it to your life, you're going to lose it. But the people who do apply it, they're going to receive even more spiritual truths. But those who don't, they're going to lose what they have, and it'll be given away to someone else. Use it or lose it. And I'm going to make you, as spiritual people, hunger for more spiritual truth. I'm not going to spoon-feed you. And then he gives an explanation of the parable of the sower and the soils. Bottom line, you need to know this parable addresses this issue. First of all, there's the sower. Who's the sower? Well, in the parable, it's Jesus who is sowing the seeds of the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's the word of God that he's teaching. But it's also me and every other preacher who preaches from the word of God and sows it into your hearts. But it's also you when talking with your friends and relatives about the gospel and the word of God. You're a seed scatterer as well. So it really is talking about anybody who teaches the gospel and the word of God to any heart, which leads to the kinds of soils. There are four soils that represent Four different human hearts. I would guess that today, every single one of those human hearts is in this room. I would even suggest that those four human hearts are every human heart throughout the world. What are those four hearts? So glad you ask. Here's the first one. The first heart is a hard heart. When the sower would sow the seeds, there would be a path right next to it. And like any path in that day that does not have concrete on it, when people walk back and forth on that path over and over again, day in, day out, what happens to that path? It becomes very hard. So when the seed of the word and the gospel of truth is landing on that particular hard surface, Jesus says it just bounces off and remains there. There's been no brokenness, no humility, no tears over your sin. And Jesus says there's an enemy of our soul, the evil one, who does not want you to spend eternity with God. And when that seed bounces off the surface of that hard path like a ba basketball on hardwood or a tennis ball bounced before the surf, the evil one comes and steals that seed of the gospel, that seed of the word of God, so that person does not have any small fissure, crack, or crevice where that word can creep down and begin to bring that person to eternal life and bear fruit. Hard heart. 
I can remember one particular story with a guy who was a dear friend of mine. And you need to build relationships with people who believe differently than you do. And he was an agnostic and atheist, self-proclaimed, professed in every way. But we really liked each other. So I asked him out to lunch one day, and we were engaging in a, a conversation. And, and then I asked him, would you mind if I had the privilege of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with you? Now, if you have a great relationship with somebody, they will not be offended by that question. And he wasn't offended. He said, sure, go ahead. So I pulled out the napkin and I got my pen. It was a paper napkin, by the way, you need to know that. And I shared how on the one side, the huge mountain is we're on top of that mountain. And then there's a, a large, deep valley that separates us from another mountain on which God rests. And the chasm between us is huge because of our sinfulness and all the ways we've disobeyed God. I even took him through the Ten Commandments and showed him how we all disobey those Ten Commandments regularly as a part of our lives. And we have an option in having a right relationship with God, either we can can come down off our mountain, walk through the valley, walk up God's mountain, work hard, do rightly, and present ourselves to God, and he say, you're forgiven by your works righteousness. That's one option. I said, but the problem is we have a selfish, sinful heart that all of us are birthed with, and all of us have disobeyed God, and all of us fall far short of his glory. I mean, look at the reality. You would agree with that? He went, yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, good. So the only other option is for God to come down off his mountain and become one of us and walk up our mountain and pay the price that we can't pay for ourselves. That God in human flesh, the perfect God-man, sinless in every way, went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, thus bridging the chasm between us and him. I mean, he even drew a cross between this mountain and that mountain, connecting the two mountains together. And at the end of it all, I said, that's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The bad news is we're total sinners and we need a savior. The good news is God did something about it and we're saved not now by our works, but we're saved by his grace through faith. And I looked at him and I was so proud of myself. I thought, man, I've really done a good job. Thank you, Lord. The napkin just had a perfect diagram on it. And he looked at it and said, so that's what you believe? And I said, yeah, that's what I believe. And he said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in all of my life. He said, hey, how could a Nazarene carpenter who lived 2,000 years ago die on a cross to allow me to go to heaven? That's ridiculous. And suddenly I realized, as I had preached the gospel and the word of God, he had a hard heart. And it just bounced off. And I can well imagine the evil one himself came to take that seat away. But I learned this valuable lesson I want to share with all of you today. If you have a heart for sharing the gospel with your loved ones and your friends, if you have a heart for sharing the word of God with them, always remember this truth. You're in sales, God's in management. You're in sales, God's in management. Our job is to scatter seeds. It's God's job to make hearts fruitful. Hard hearts, they're out there. And my bet is even some of you right now are saying, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Be careful. Be careful of your hard heart. The second heart, interestingly, I call the shallow heart. That's the seed of the gospel and the word of God goes shallowly, superficially deep into someone's heart. And they receive it with great joy. But not long thereafter, 
they're persecuted because of the word of God. They go through tribulations because of God's word. And like the blistering sun in Palestinian days would choke off a seed that went shallow after a few days, so similarly, people who just received Jesus with an emotional experience cannot last long-term living for him. Now, please don't misunderstand. We need emotions in our faith. I mean, I love Marilyn with all my heart, and I need emotions in my love for her, and they're there. The same is true in your faith in the Lord. But if your faith is solely dependent upon emotions, it will eventually dry up when especially one thing happens. When you're persecuted because of your belief in the word of God. When you are persecuted because you believe the gospel is true. I can't speak for you, but I have placed myself under the authority of the scripture. And I do not allow the shifting sands of this culture to define who I am and what's important in my life. It forever changes. But the word of God lasts forever. It is immutable in every way. And you can tell the vitality of the gospel and the word of God in your heart if when you're persecuted because of this book, and because you believe the gospel is true, whether you still stand or not. Now, Marilyn and I and others just returned from the Mideast, and we heard horrific stories of Iraqi and Syrian Christians who are persecuted largely because of their faith. In Iraq, for example, ISIS demands one of three things with Iraqi Christians when they've captured their territory. Either pay a huge tax and you can remain, or you can convert to Islam, or you can flee. They chose to flee. They left everything because they will not give up their faith in the Lord. That's not the shallow soil. So be careful if your faith is mere emotion. At some point when it's challenged in the scorching sun of tribulation, mostly caused because of your deep faith in the Lord, it won't last. listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David and I discuss a simple yet surprising practice that has the potential to make a huge impact in your life. We'll be right back. What does the Bible tell us about the end times? The Bible is a book about soteriology, your salvation, redemption, and eternal life. David Chadwick has made an informative video called The End Time Prophecies. From Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, God's Word is revealing facts about the times we live in, as well as the second coming of Jesus Christ. We would love to give this video to you as a resource to equip you to help you understand the history and prophecies of the second coming found in the Old Testament. In this video, David covers the validity of Scripture, Jesus' first coming, and how we can have faith in His second coming. This video is a compelling account of the foundation of the Christian faith. To receive your free copy of this video, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener for your free copy of this informative, educational video from David Chadwick. End Time Prophecies from David Chadwick. Get yours for free today. 
I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us today. Yes, thank you, Jen. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. In your morning e-devotions lately, you have been in a series that you're calling Davidisms. And today's Davidism seems so simple, yet it's so profound. And you call this one a simple thank you. Yeah, Jen, it's really interesting. As I've done studies uh, in different organizations, locally, globally, and what makes them successful, this particular truth came up over and over again in my studies. No matter how small, no matter how large the organization may be, people desire one thing most from the person who oversees them. Jen, you've already got a clue. Guess what that is? Uh, Something to do with thanks. (laughs) Yeah, I think people want more than anything else in the world. And again, studies support this idea. They want a simple thank you. Hmm. They don't want more money necessarily, nor a bigger office, nor a fancier title, although that's what some do want. But what most want over and over again, they said was a simple thank you. Numerous studies prove that the top driver of employees' happiness is for their boss to simply say thank you to them. Two simple words, spoken genuinely, are more valuable than any monetary-slash-corner-office reward that anyone may receive. Now, all of you listening right now, think about that. It's about the power of our words. Life and death is in the tongue, Proverbs 18, 21, Solomon said. The wealth found in the words of someone who offers their thanks, think about that, Mm -hmm. their gratitude, their appreciation, it makes us feel so good when we receive that after we've done our best in a particular workplace. So let me ask all who are listening right now, do you really and readily say thank you to other people? Consider the words you use. Let Scripture guide you. How about from Ephesians 4.29? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Mm. Our words are like a healing balm of grace to people's souls. Mm -hmm. If any of you have ever been discouraged and you've had someone say to you, I believe in you, I love you, I care for you in spite of what you're going through, it really does lift you up, Mm -hmm. give you encouragement, and indeed hope. Mm -hmm. What a valuable lesson for us all, for bosses, parents, teachers, teammates, family, and friends, no matter who you are in life, you've probably got somebody looking up to you right now. And what does everyone in your life want most from you? Here's the answer. A simple gin. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for all you do on this show. I yeah. appreciate it so much. Well, I love it so much. I, and one of the phrases that I say to my children often is, do we have an attitude of gratitude today? Yeah. Like, let's let's think about things that we're thankful for in the middle of trying to complain, you know, because that comes more naturally to us. But it this does is a indeed. good word. Yeah, but you know, we can easily form our mouths to say mm-hmm. thank you. Two little words could encourage a heart to keep on moving forward and to do even a better job 
job when they're working with or for us in the workplace or at home. So Mm -hmm. my simple adjuration today to all of our listeners is practice those two words, thank you, over and over again. It will bless you and it will bless other people. And listeners, if you would like to receive a daily written moment of hope from me, go to momentsofhopechurch.org, subscribe there. They'll arrive in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. It's my gift to you. They're free of charge to help you begin each day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to check out David's weekly Hopecast. It's free and available through our website. Also, be sure to check out David's End Times Prophecy video. It's free for our listeners. Just go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking that you practice an attitude of gratitude today. Today.